Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 45 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for finding this show. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. This week's interview will be with Liz Cantor. But before we get to that, I'd like to ask you a small favour. That is just to help our little community of dog lovers grow. So if you haven't already... I would really appreciate it if you shared this or any other episode with a friend. And let's get a few more people to experience the wonderful things that our doggy friends do. In some doggy news, a gentleman in Bergen County in Oakland in the US is really thanking himself that Several months ago, he went to the local shelter and adopted a six-year-old German shepherd by the name of Sadie. Now, Sadie was a little bit hesitant when they first met, and it took a couple of months for them to bond, but a short time ago, the gentleman actually was at home and suffered a stroke, collapsing on the floor. Now, Sadie knew something was wrong. She stayed by his side, licking his face to keep him awake and also helped him manoeuvre the short distance across the floor where he was able to get to a phone where he called for help and he is now recovered and saying that basically... Sadie was the one that helped save his life. Also in the US, in Ohio, in the uh, port of Cincinnati, a dog by the name of Bico, who was doing some work for the US Customs and Border Protection, came across a package of around 44 pounds of cornflakes, which he alerted to. When the officers took a closer look at the cornflakes, they found that the cereal was actually coated with cocaine. Well done to Bico. And now, this week's feature interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I'm here with Liz Cantor. How are you this afternoon? I'm good. I love that name, the relaxed dog, because you think, is there ever a dog out there that's truly relaxed? And then I think, well, yeah, actually, my dog. <laughs> He's lying on his back with his feet in the air, tongue hanging out. It's uh, great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe we're going to be talking about Bear. Bear Grills. Is the uh, official name? Yes. Bear Grills. Now that conjures up a whole lot of sort of thing connotations. What sort of breed is Bear? 
He is a Yorkshire Terrier. He's nine years old. He's four kilos, so he's a little one. Okay, I'm going to ask you to just go back in time a little bit and talk us through the how and why you and Bear met up. I have always been a massive dog lover. We always had a family dog growing up. We had schnauzers um, at home. So when I left home, I had a brown spotted Dalmatian and he was called George and uh, he was absolutely beautiful and one of the loves of my life. But following George, I found myself and I was 29 living in a small apartment, out on my own in those independent single years. And I just couldn't flick the feeling of this emptiness and not having that companionship that I was used to having all my life of that dog by your side and that Mm -hmm. dog around. And I was living with some flatmates and we weren't allowed dogs in the unit complex. And I ended up studying the different dog breeds and writing this thesis on why my flatmate should allow me to sneak this Yorkshire Terrier into the household. So I had breeding notes that they, you know, don't shed. They only need 15 minutes exercise a day. They're not yappy by nature. They sleep the majority of the day. I had all these notes and I pitched to my flatmate at the time, Tristan. I said, please let me get this dog. I know I travel a lot with work, but it's, he's small enough. You know, he only grows to four kilos. I should be able to hand him around to other people who will be happy to look after him. Mum and dad have put their hands up. And eventually he finally said yes. So I reached out to some breeders around Brisbane and I was actually amazed at how tricky it is to find a Yorkshire Terrier. And I found a breeder in Logan called Tantine Dogs and I rung her and express my interest. So I'm going on a waiting list for a Yorkshire Terrier. And she said, oh, that's going to be a year or two away. And I remember the heartbreak. I was like, oh gosh, I, I, you know, have finally got my flatmate to agree to letting us have this dog in our rental property. And it was, a yeah, I felt so let down. And then the next week it was uncanny it was my 30th birthday and the breeder rung back and she said, you're not going to believe this. Do you still want a Yorkie? And I said, absolutely. And she said, well, one of my bitches, I didn't even realise she was pregnant and I've gone in in the morning and there's a single puppy in there. And because I don't know the lineage and who sired it, I'm not really an ability to sell this dog, but we could come to an agreement. And if you want it, I could give it to you immediately. Like, well, when it, when it turns uh, six weeks. Um, so I said, I'll come and see you. Let's meet. And I drove up to her and the whole drive there, I felt a little bit like it was all so real and will this puppy be okay? And what does she mean? She doesn't know the father and a singular puppy and how bizarre. And the dog must have just got pregnant at one of the shows, like (laughs) cheeky girl. And um, I pulled up at her property and I walked up these steps onto this deck and there was a pen with just this one little puppy sitting in the middle of the pen. And when he saw me, he started wagging his tail so hard his whole bottom was shaking side to side and I just looked at him and I went there's no way I'm not having you like you know when you just connect with something and you can just see they've just got this beautiful little soul and he just was happiness and was so excited to see someone and 
Yeah. So that I ended up taking him home that day. He was supposed to be called Ted. In my head, I'd named him Ted. But then when I got him in the car and when I got him home, he just didn't really fit Ted. And I said to my flatmate, he's, I don't know why Ted's just not sitting right. And my flatmate said, what about Bear? As in Teddy Bear. And I said, even though he's this little small dog and you'd expect that cute name, he doesn't have a small personality. He's in every corner exploring and he's jumping all over the couch and jumping off ledges and fearless. I said, he's Bear Grylls. If I can summarize his personality, he's an explorer. He's Bear Grylls. And so that's how my little dog ended up with a big man's oh, name. That's nice. Lovely. Except how was Bear when he first sort of got into your apartment? Uh, the toilet training was a struggle and that seems to be a common thread with Yorkshire Terriers for the first one or two years of their life, especially if you are in that unit complex. But other than that, he was a really smart little dog. He picked things up so quickly. Um, he adapted to training really well. Um, I let him sleep in my bed so I didn't have too much trouble with the the sleep training or having him, you know, in a, a crate or a cage area. Um, he just snuggled right in and I was once told by someone the blanket, you take them home on in the car, keep that nearby. And so we always had that blanket close by. So we had that familiar scent um, from the car trip home and he adapted really well. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> and was there any sort of like suspicious neighbours? Uh, the It didn't take long for the apartment complex to be on to us and I was later told that they knew immediately but because he was not a barker and he was a really sweet natured little dog, everyone in the complex kind of fell in love with him and everyone helped keep it hidden and let it slide. The only time I ever got a letter of complaint was one day when I took him swimming in the swimming pool and someone must have looked out their window and seen it. And I got this letter saying, please do not let dogs swim in the shared swimming pool. And I thought, okay, fair enough. I won't do that again, especially when we've got a beach across the road. <laughs> oh, nice. Any sort of like issues with furniture or anything like that that no, I think, and that's the beauty about Yorkshire Terriers. Uh, they are just such a compatible size for unit living. And for me, when I went to get another dog, I mean, I, I absolutely love a dog. You can be a bit ruffled and tumble and run with, and but I needed to be kind to the dog in the nature of my living circumstances too, and I wanted a dog that would be well-suited to a small space. Um I get he was he was yeah really actually quite well behaved. I've got no disaster stories about him ruining any furniture or chewing any shoes or any of that jazz. All the disaster stories come down to my parenting skills and what I had to learn along the way of being a mother for the first time. <laughs> and would you like to hear one of those stories? <laughs> oh, whatever you like to share. <laughs> well, as I said, he was a really sweet-natured, well-behaved little dog and um, really clung to me. And I used to walk him off lead because he was so obedient. He would heal. He'd walk by my feet everywhere I went. So I got quite comfortable with this and we had a daily routine where off lead, 
We'd walk, he'd sit down at the side of the road, we'd cross the road, we'd play on the beach and then we'd do the same thing coming back. We'd walk back up, he'd heal, he'd be obedient, he'd sit, cross the road. And one day I broke this routine and it was such a hard lesson learned, but rather than going down to the beach It was a windy, bit of a rainy day. So we stayed up on the grass area up the top, closer to the road than the beach. And we finished our playtime and I went through all the motions of picking up my towel and grabbing my keys and all the triggers and signs that we were getting ready to go home. And at that stage, coincidentally, Bear stumbled across some thrown out chicken bones and grabbed one off the ground. And I yelled at him to drop that bone and get it out your mouth. And he's turned to sprint for home. And it was like everything went into slow motion as he's gone to the road, hasn't done his usual stop, crossing the road to our unit complex. And I see a car coming and I see him running for the road and I see it all unfolding in front of my eyes. This little dog, a bitumen colour, running out towards a car, the wheel of the car coming. And the only thing that saved Bear's life was he ran into the hubcap of the spinning wheel, which ricocheted him and sent him rolling away from the car. Um, It's still, you can probably hear in my voice, it still affects me talking about it. And it was a hard lesson learned of a parent not taking risks. And it doesn't matter how well behaved your child is, or even today, now I'm a mother to children, that moment of, well, they've never rolled off the change room table and my phone's ringing and it's only, you know, a couple of meters away. They're going to be fine if I leave them on the change room table to run and get my phone. But then that, you know, tiny chance, what if, what if it doesn't line up to be fine in that moment? And that was my life lesson. I was always so grateful that Bear survived that, um, that I was like, okay, as a parent, you are the person that chooses not to put your child or someone in your responsibility in those risks. So after that, he was always, even though he's so well behaved and he knew to heal and he had some road sense, he was always walked on a lead. Um, He escaped with two fractured front legs. Um, I remember driving to the vets and just sobbing. Someone um, who had seen it happened offered to give us a ride and I had him on my lap and he, he was shaking and his legs were bloody and I just, I felt like I was saying goodbye in that moment. I was just hysterical that felt so responsible. Um, and when I found out that he had no internal bleeding and it was just um, almost like these just little fractures in his two front legs and that he was going to recover and be okay. Um, That was, yeah, a turning point for me as a dog owner as well about the responsibilities we have in looking after them. Oh, absolutely. Did he take long to recover? No, and I think it was two days later. He's just the sweetest soul. I remember him with his little cast on his front legs and his tail wagging and I'd put him outside to go to the toilet with his blue little cast on his front legs and he was still tucked up in my bed sleeping by me every night and he's, honestly, he's just the most lovely little soul, this dog. I feel so blessed to have him. Absolutely. I was going to say, did you have to smuggle him in and out? Of your place initially or? Uh, yeah, I had him in um, a duffel bag for a while. <laughs> Luckily, you know, 
He was so tiny as a puppy, he could fit on my wallet or, a, you know, the old iPhones. Um, he was literally small enough to fit in your hand. So he was quite easy to smuggle in and out, down my T-shirt, down my jumper. As he got bigger, um, we still made it work. I used to smuggle him into Channel 7 while at where I work. And he's been with me for the gold lotto draws. And <laughs> that was another stern letter I got about three years down the track after smuggling him in and out Channel 7 to the lotto draws and, you know, weather crosses and having him in the makeup room and he was so good, you know, blow dries didn't affect him. He was just a great little companion. And then I think the building security caught on and I got another letter saying, please don't bring your dog to work. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> he really, he really loves him. <laughs> so got caught out there too. Oh, absolutely. But then again, it took him three years, so... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. They're just, they are the best companions. Um, you know, he's, he loves people. He loves other dogs. We live opposite a beach, uh, which is an off-leash area as well. So I was always a bit worried about him with bigger dogs and his safety, but his nature is so submissive that I've learned over time. He's that dog. When a big dog even runs near him, he doesn't even bolt. He literally just rolls onto his back and puts his paws up and is just so submissive. I think a lot of big dogs are like, oh, oh this is boring. What am I going to do with you? Like, <laughs> you're just trying to lick me and lie on your back. Like you're not even trying to run from me. And it actually works in his favour in that they lose interest pretty quickly from something that's only trying to lick them or roll over or be so submissive. Um, it doesn't work so well with humans. The licking is probably his trait that seems to irritate most people and it's the hardest one um, because when I looked into it, the more you pull away, the more they want to lick you because what they're trying to do is say, like me, like me, hello, <laughs> just come over and say hello and like me. And as soon as someone kind of pushes away or pulls away or goes, oh, I don't like that, the dog wants to try and do it even more. Um, so I've just directed people if it's annoying them to kind of just put a hand on him for two seconds and then he'll stop. It's just that acknowledgement and initial meeting and yeah, that want to be liked and to please others. That's very much his nature. Oh, nice. So when he was uh, still young, did he have any sort of like close doggy friends? He was around the exact same age as a Ridgeback that was always on the beachfront. So it was quite funny. His best mate as a puppy was this Ridgeback. Um, but as they've grown older, they've definitely found different interests in life. Um, and there's like a size difference. They're not very compatible to play anymore. But as puppies, uh, that was probably his first solid friend. And it was hilarious to watch this tiny Yorkie and this pretty decent sized Ridgeback puppy just rolling around together. <laughs> nice. And what is his favourite games that he likes to play? Uh, he's never really been one for chasing balls or sticks. He's a hunter. Like he likes to find hidden toys within the home or if you hide little mice, he'll spend ages trying to find them. Um, he likes to bury and to kind of burrow into things and he loves car trips and he actually loves to ride on the paddleboard too. So he'll sit on the paddleboard and I think he just likes to take in kind of his surroundings but always be nearby to me. Oh, nice. What's he, where, where's his space in the car? 
his space in the car is the passenger's seat. So he he loves to be able to stand up and look out the window. <laughs> I was going to ask if he's got one of those little uh, booster seats. <laughs> I know. So, well, he used to, yeah, sit on my bag or sit where he is so that he can see. But um, what is the deal with safety and laws? Do you know? Are they supposed to have their own seatbelts on these days? Uh, they're supposed to be restrained, yes. Oh, dear. Sorry. <laughs> I am not law-abiding, but he's very small. Um, but, yes, I might need to look into that, but I don't know how I'd find a seatbelt that would actually fit him. And there's... But- also the, also the safety component as well. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, but anyway, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll look into that area. <laughs> yes. So um, you said he likes driving in the cars. Has he got any favourite destinations that he likes to go to? Uh, well, my parents live in Noosa and Sunshine Beach is an incredible dog beach again. My lifestyle is very much the outdoors. And so I would say his favourite trip other than home for us is up to Noosa and to Sunshine Beach to explore. Okay, nice. And on the paddleboard, does he go off onto the water much or...? He's not too keen on the water. On a very hot day, he'll happily swim, but he's more, I think that's what he loves so much about the paddleboard and where we go down at Tally Creek, um, it's so calm and still that he has that sense of security that he's out and about in nature, but he's on his his dry space, his plank. He's very secure. Okay. And is that the same when it comes to like washing and grooming? He's not too fast on bath time, but he won't protest either. As I said, yeah, he's just a very easy dog, boringly so. <laughs> like he'll have his bath and he'll put up with it and, um, yeah. So you mentioned earlier on, I know you do do a lot of uh, trips and I'm guessing that has been a lot uh, earlier on in his lifestyle. Did he uh, have much of an issue with different people looking after him? Uh, No, I'd like to say that he always very much missed me and there was always such a beautiful, warm reception when I came home from work trips, but he's just a people lover and as long as he had someone that was happy to give him cuddles and a little walk and yeah really kind of play with him then he was happy with whoever he was with as far as I know. Wow nice. Yeah he loves cats he's he really doesn't have many issues the only thing he wasn't a huge fan of was toddlers um, and smaller children. He used to be a bit flighty around them. And, of course, being a small dog, all the little kids want to come up and cuddle him or pick him up or hold him. And I think that's when he, that was the only time he'd get really flighty or a little bit anxious is when children were grabbing him and holding him. But it's been really interesting since having children of my own he has absolutely no issue with my children um, who he has been next to since they were babies. He actually slept under their cots and just very protective of them. Doesn't, you know, happy to have a wrestle with them, but still anyone else's children, he just keeps his distance. Mm, okay. I guess that, that, that's a pack mentality, I think yeah, that might be. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised as well because he is de-sexed and, um, 
I, with his nature as well, being so submissive, I didn't think he'd really take the ownership he's definitely shown over the children. The first, it was pretty incredible. The first time I've ever heard him growl in his life was while walking my firstborn son in the pram one day when another dog approached the pram. And I just was in so much shock because I'd never heard him growl before. I think he was, yeah, five or six years old and he made this this growl and aggressive noise and I was like, wow, I didn't know you had it in you, but wow. <laughs> just letting people know this is, they're my people, just keep your distance. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible. So they're, you know, small little heads but incredibly strong brains (laughs) i think um absolutely in in general we underestimate what they uh what goes on inside their heads i agree i agree and i think that's the beauty to having a dog in your home as well they are so intuitive and they can be just such a good regulator to lean into at times um when there's stress happening or ups and downs of life they're just that middle ground a lot of the time and i think that's very healthy component to have in a family or a household not going to argue with you at all there they're very very stable yeah um you can see why dogs are so useful for people who suffer anxiety as well or um, just a bringing you back into the moment and out of your head. Like when you are sitting and having a cuddle or a pad or even something as simple as walking in the front door and you're being greeted by a dog, they take you out of everywhere else your head is into that moment and there and it's very healthy to have that. Absolutely. So... Um going to ask did you can you recall any other places that earlier on or maybe not so earlier on that you uh, smuggled him into (laughs) um i definitely didn't take him into any national parks i know that much because i was a little bit restricted but he went to some on some camping trips and but you know what it's crazy because um even doing this podcast i really have to think back because he's nine now so i don't know if it's just that i've had him for nine years um and it's been so long that you know it's i've got to conjure up a lot of his young memories but for the last five years i've just had as i said i've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old son um we have been a little bit more at home and of course with 2020 and coronavirus He's um, definitely become more of a homebody dog and, um, you know, he's happy to go out for a walk every now and then, but he's, he's, he loves being home and he's not one of those dogs that sits at the door anymore wanting to be outside. It's more me going, hey, lazy boy, let's go for a walk and keep your fitness up because I want you to live to 14. <laughs> so you uh, see a, a noticeable difference with, you know, the coronavirus and I'm guessing that with you, you being at home more? Yeah, I have. And I think it's also his age has timed well for that. Um, I've noticed that I think for the first two years of a Yorkie Terrier's life, they're definitely that crazy, busy, adventurous, get me out the house, get me walking, I want to see the world. Um, And then they calm down a little bit after that, but still have that drive to be out and about and seeing things. Um, Definitely post five, six years old, I've found a couple of times I'll be like, hey, Bert, come for a walk. And he'll look up at me and be like, no, nah, I'm sweet on the couch. See you, mum. <laughs> and I'll have to go over and be like, 
this is non-negotiable, <laughs> come for a walk. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's very chill and very easy and I, I think it's really rung true to the breeding notes that I did study and look into and initially because I was in a small unit, that's what I was looking for, a dog that I wouldn't compromise their exercise needs with what I could offer them in terms of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said it was initially a, a small unit. So you got a lot more space now? We do have a house with a yard and he does love the yard. He loves to kind of dominate the birds from entering his backyard at times and that's that's the only times he really barks. Um, but he's, yeah, adapted really well to living in the house from a unit and, again, he has his safe spots. You'll find him underneath our bed if he, you know, wants his space and he'll always greet us at the door. Okay. He's actually just walked into my, I've got him up in Noosa with me now and it's just come in and jumped on the chair behind me. So that's just who he is. He always has to be nearby. If someone's around, he'll, he'll find you and be nearby. Oh, nice. Can you recall how he was when he sort of like got used to having his own yard? Uh, in what way do you mean? Uh, just like, a, like okay, this is my space now and sort of like my, my private space and any sort of like behaviour sort of like changes when he was there rather than being, say, out and in the, say, the, the dog beach and the park? Not really. Again, he's so submissive by nature. Um, so he definitely was protective of the space. As I mentioned, he'd bark if birds entered our backyard and chase them off. And But if we have someone else come over with a dog, he's always welcoming. When other people come around, he's a terrible guard dog. He'll meet them at the gate and lick them to bits. Um, he's an alarm bell. Like he will, he will signal if he's heard someone come to the front gate. But then it's more like, come in, come in. Hello, hello. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's definitely no guard dog. Can you recall uh, any times where he's sort of like helped you make uh, major decisions in life? I think what he did was build my confidence in my sense of self in that when I did get him, as I mentioned, I was 29, I was single, I was very much married to my job, working, but had found I was entering a stage of life where I was a bit lonely and feeling like I needed something and a bit lost. And then when I got him, I realised how much confidence it gave me in having a companion And it wasn't like I was looking for a relationship or looking for a partner anymore or compromising just to have someone around. I went, okay, well, I have so much happiness here with my dog and I'm content and I feel like my cup has been filled. So unless you're going to bring something to the party and add to our home, um, then I won't compromise just for the sake of kind of loneliness. Mm Mm-hmm. So he was, he, I think he gave me yeah, a lot more confidence in kind of forging my own path and having my values and not compromising and, and just being, being okay to run my own race. Oh, nice. Um, just going back on uh, his health, apart from that uh, early episode, has there been many trips to the vet? There's been one more drama in regards to his health. I used to walk him with a collar and I never realised um, f- how fragile 
Yorkie's um, Nexar. And when I had the kids, when Kit was about two or three, of course, he always had to walk there on the lead. And I don't know if it's related, but around that time, um, I noticed him start to do a bit of a cough. Um, like a hacking cough. And when we went to the vets and I had it investigated, it turned out that he had a little collapse in his trachea. Um, so it may have been that he had been tugged too hard on the neck by a collar. So hopefully imparting that as much as it makes me feel horrendous um, will help someone else listening perhaps to know to always wear, have the harness on the little dogs and not walk them with a neck collar. Um, so he does have this kind of occasional trouble with his trachea if he's knocked on the neck or he, I don't ever have a collar on him anymore. Um, so that, yeah, there's never any pressure on the trachea because that sends him into a coughing fit. I had to have him actually on human asthma medication for about a year to strengthen that trachea. And that was a bit of a laugh. So we had a, a nebulizer, what they use to, uh, give babies asthma and I ended up teaching him to allow us to put the nebulizer over his snout and mouth and take a puff of the puffer for three seconds and then he would get a piece of ham and he will do anything for food. <laughs> my, my husband jokes, he's like, I've never seen a little dog that eats like bear. Like if there was a dead cow somewhere, he'd probably eat the whole carcass and make himself be like, yeah, did it. He's just got nothing. Stop button when it comes to food. <laughs> nice. So, do you got any uh, favourite? I don't know. I don't like all the sort of like tricks or activities, but little things or commands. Or- oh, little. He does to perform. Well, he, um, I don't know where he gets it from, but he loves a camera. Anytime you pull out a camera, there's just this ears forward, cock of the head, and it just makes everyone laugh because we're like, what? Okay, there. He's been on the cover of, I've never got him a doggy agent or gone down that route, but he has been on the cover of a few magazines and newspapers purely from just plonking himself down in front of the right photographer at the right time and just playing up to it. Uh, He can turn around, he can drop, he can stay. Um, Yeah, he's pretty disciplined with the basic training like I I will always make him sit and wait for his supper and he's given a command that he can then eat after waiting um he'll he'll turn around in circles for a treat um which always makes the kids laugh because you can get him jumping around in circles all happy um yeah he'll do he'll do a lot for food this dog (laughs) I think that's the majority of them as well Oh, loves it. His favourite food on the planet is smoked salmon. Um, so if anyone has smoked salmon, which is not the nicest smell, but that's probably why he's so into it, he will literally sit and beg at them. <laughs> um, so while we're on the subject of food and things going into his mouth, question I asked all my guests is to complete the sentence... I can't believe my dog ate. My child nappy. <laughs> it was really, really bad. <laughs> and I'm going to say and it wasn't I, a new I, one. <laughs> it was not a number one. It was a number two. And I only put it to the side for two seconds as I was putting on the clean nappy. And he was just like ninja stealth. I didn't even hear him coming. And then I turned around to pick it up and Nappy was empty and there was in a lot of trouble. 
I think we'll leave that one there, I think. Ah, <laughs> dogs can be. Oh, dear. He got a bath after that. <laughs> so can you remember any other times where he's used his ninja skills? Um, hmm, you're putting me on the spot now. <laughs> hey, um, not that I can remember. He uh, that's he's boringly well behaved. <laughs> boringly well behaved. And that's that's a good thing. <laughs> I know. I've been so lucky with him. I can't say the same about the Dalmatian I had. Oh my gosh, the pickles he used to get me into. I remember him taking off on me on a park one day and running through a freshly laid path of wet cement and all the council people yelling at me and <laughs> uh, just he used to jump out the back of our Hilux ute if he wasn't strapped in. He was just a menace, old George. And every time we'd drive, he'd sing while driving. So we'd, every car trip we ever had with him, he ended up being called Rorge, not George, because he'd be in the back of the car. Roar, 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 the whole drive. People would hear it's coming a mile away. Could be another podcast there. <laughs> oh, Bottomly Pots. You know the old... Harry McClary book, he was like, the one with the spots, you can't miss him. So does Bear have any sort of like interesting habits? Uh, Not so much. He's, again, he's very protective of the kids. His main form of exercise these days is just the excitement when they come home, if they've been out for the day of that, having a little wrestle and tumble. Um, He's even taken it. Last night he slept on my son's bed rather than my bed and he's like, I find it hard to not sleep with him now, which can sound so ridiculous, but he's just this comforting little warm hot water bottle that's a present in the bed. And last night I was like, oh, this is not fair. Like he's got to put himself to bed with my four-year-old kid and tucked up with him. But they're just such good energy readers and it, it, I felt like so grateful that I have him. I'm like, okay, clearly he felt that Kit needed his presence tonight and is tucked into him. But I really, like, I don't so much believe in the corny term of soulmates um, and that they're people you find in life. But sometimes I look at my dog and I look at Bear and I'm like, you are a soul that is has been such a blessing to my life. It was like his little soul was what I needed to find. And even my partner, when we started dating, well, my now husband, it was really funny because he was like, you let your dog sleep in your bedroom? And I didn't tell him I let him sleep in my bed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, yeah. And I was like, I'll, I'll start putting him in the laundry because Ryan was like, dogs don't sleep in your bedroom. And after we'd been dating for a while, Bear was allowed back into the bedroom and – I'll never forget coming home from Lotto one night. This was after Ryan and I started living together and Bear was not only in our bed but sleeping on the pillow curled around Ryan's head. And I was like, that, that's the power of my dog. Like, <laughs> That's what he can do to you. So someone who wouldn't let a dog in their bedrooms because dogs, you know, have their space and they need their position in life and they don't sleep above your head and even like interested in dog psychology is, you know, next minute sleeping on this guy's pillow next to him all snuggled up best mates. Oh, that would have been a beautiful picture to see for you, I bet. <laughs> yeah. And he's still, yeah, he's always welcome in our bed because he's just, yeah, he's that little little person that just makes everything feel calm and happy. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Is anything else coming to mind that you'd like to share? 
No, I just thank you very much for having me on for a chat. And I, I definitely want to advocate what a what a beautiful dog the Yorkshire Terriers are. Um, I'm sorry that I don't have any more stories of him getting up to mischief. As I said, he's boringly well behaved. But just hopefully, you know, use your podcast to impart confidence in other people who are looking for companionship and thinking about getting a dog but worried about the responsibilities. I don't think there's ever been a day that I regretted the decision to get bare and anytime it's ever restricted my lifestyle, it's 100% been worth it. You know, if it's meant coming home a little bit earlier from a trip or setting aside some money in the bank account to go towards his pet insurance, it's he has given back tenfold. Oh, absolutely. There's absolutely no argument with that. They, mm. they do so, so much for us and it's all unconditional. Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't think there's many relationships in life now that are so unconditional. There's a lot of circumstantial or utility or a lot of work relationships in society these days. So to have that unconditional relationship, um, and especially now as a mother where it's a lot of take, take, like even from the unconditional love you get from your children, but they need you and they need you to do everything for you. Um, with Bear, it's, I feel like sometimes in our household, he's the one that comes back and fills my cup and goes, okay, mum, you need a little snuggle. I'm here for you. <laughs> like, you don't need to cuddle me. I'll cuddle you. <laughs> oh, nicely put. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out and having a little chat and telling us all about Bear. He's a, an extraordinary little dog. He is. Keep up the good wag. Thanks for your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Pleasure. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Did you know that we have a Facebook group? So it's open to everyone. If you want to jump on Facebook and look up the Relaxed Dog Podcast, we would be ecstatic for you to join. It's still in its early stages, but uh, jump on and make some suggestions. Feel free to criticize me, tell me what I'm doing right or wrong. Uh, all the feedback is welcomed. Until next week, stay safe and remember, your dog is family. <laughs>